Hey everyone, my name is Scarlett. And I'm Nate. And welcome to the Foundations Podcast. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, we are going to be diving in on the study of scripture. This is something I am super pumped about because I have seen the way that scripture has changed lives. This is a conversation Nate and I both enjoy and are passionate about. And so as we dive in today, we're going to kick off with a personal story that Nate will share about his experience with scripture. So Nate, you want to start us off? Sounds good. So a couple of years ago, I was asked to preach at a church that was 125 years old. And I was so honored to be asked, first of all, because that means that the church, the people who started the church are no longer alive, but that they had successfully passed down the faith from one generation to the next and to the next and to the next. And so before I was going to preach, I just wanted to know, like, what's some of the history that's happened in this very place? And so they had been sharing a couple of stories. And there's one story that I don't think I'll ever forget. It was about a woman named Mrs. Pickerel. She was around at the very beginning of the founding of this church, and she had lived up into her 90s. And so when she was probably in her 80s, uh, she started to, to lose the ability to, to drive. And so every Sunday morning, she would go, well, if I can't drive, at least I can walk there. And so she would grab her cane, and she'd start walking from her house to the church. And other people that were driving there would see her and go, what in the world are you doing, Mrs. Pickerel? Like, get in my car. And slowly but surely, the congregation learned somebody needs to pick up Mrs. Pickerel every Sunday or she's going to walk here. And then a couple years later, uh, her eyesight started to fail her, right? Like she used to have those really thick glasses. And then all of a sudden, even those weren't really working, particularly for her to read. And so for decades, she had sat in the same rocking chair in her living room with a Bible open in her lap, and she would read it every single day. And then when her eyes started to fail her, she somehow came up with the genius idea, I need to buy a magnifying glass. And with shaky hands, but a strong heart, she would read the scriptures every mm-hmm. single day with a magnifying glass. And that takes time, that takes commitment, that takes conviction. And I remember as soon as I heard that story, I thought, Lord, like I want to be that person at 90 years old. If you, if you decide I live that long, right? Like I want to go ahead. So that, that, as soon as I heard the story, I went out and I bought myself a magnifying glass and I told the Lord, I said, I said, Lord, if the day comes where my eyesight fails me from getting in your word, I want you to know that I've already decided I'm going to stay in it. And so today we want to talk about scripture and maybe that story sounds crazy to you. Like you're like, what? Why would someone be that committed? Why would someone be that joyful about reading scripture? Well, we hope to answer that question today. I can only imagine being 85 with a magnifying glass. Like I, I mean, and that is our prayer. Um, even wherever you began that one day, just ending that way. And so We're so excited to talk about this topic and specifically because the Bible um, is the best way you can define the Bible. Let's just go ahead and start off with that is the Bible in itself is this library of books um, all emerge from the history of the people of ancient Israel. And but here 
in this collection, we actually see so many different genres, which make it just this beautiful library. And so we're going to see different things from poetry to prophecy to narratives to letters. And so I always take myself back to like my high school English class and thinking of the ways that we would study different books in that class. And so God could have chosen so many different ways to communicate himself to us, but instead he chose many different methods to real parts of himself. And even the way that he uses biblical authors to show that. And so it's super excited to dive in and learn about the Lord through it all and seeing throughout the stories, ultimately, how does this point back to God? So what we want to do is thinking about the Bible, um, what we want to communicate from the get-go is that here it's one unified story with one main plot line. And so we're going to see different stories in different genres, but ultimately it's going to tell us one major overarching story. So we're going to start broad and start big with that idea. And then we're going to kind of slowly zoom in um, over the things that we're going to talk about. And so we have the idea of one unified story in different styles. And then the next thing that we're going to see is we're going to see a difference between the Old and the New Testament. So if you have a copy of the scriptures, you're going to see um, the divide of the two. Okay, here you have the Old Testament, here you have the New Testament, but what makes them different? So first, we're going to unpack what that looks like. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk about the Old Testament for a second. And so the Old Testament begins with a book that you've probably heard quite a bit, the book of Genesis. In the first sentence, in the beginning, God created. And so you're going to learn about the creation story. You're going to learn about a good God who creates good things. And then slowly but surely, you're going to see this good world be marred and destroyed by sin, right? But if you keep reading, you're going to come across this name that's actually going to be repeated a lot throughout both the Old and the New Testament. And that name is Abraham. His story picks up in Genesis chapter 12. God looks at Abraham, who's actually at the time named Abram, and he says, I want you to go from everything that's familiar to you into a land that I will show you. And through you, through your family, through the generations that will come from you, I'm going to redeem the world. And so we start learning about the creation of even the nation of Israel. You're going to see that starting in the book of Genesis. Now, for those of us who are not Jewish people, and for those of us who do not live in Israel, the important thing for us to notice is that the Old Testament was written for us, of course, but it was not written to us. And so what I mean by that is there are times when we're reading the Old Testament, and there are some people who will say, wow, like, look at this promise that God gave to Abraham, or maybe to Joseph, or maybe to Moses, or the list goes on and on. And we think, okay, God made that promise, and so now I can take that promise, but that's not faithful to scripture. It was written for us. We can learn things about God. We can learn things about ourselves, about humanity. But um, one of the popular uh, verses that oftentimes will be quoted is, is Jeremiah 29, 11, right? Like, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and to give you a hope and a future. And so when we, we can read that because it's written for us and we can go, wow, like God always has a plan, even in messy situations. We can learn that God redeems his people even when they are, rebel against him. Because in that moment, Israel is actually going into many, many years in exile away from the land that they were given. And so sometimes they will read that and we're like, that's my promise. Like that's, well, I hope not. Cause that would mean you're going to be in slavery for 70 years. Like you don't want that. But what you do learn is that God is faithful to his people, that God is kind and that he always brings them back. And so whenever you're reading the old Testament, you can always ask yourself two questions. What does this story teach me about God? Like, what does this story teach you about the character of God? 
a lot of times it'll show you that he's good, that he's patient, that he's kind, that he is just, and that he is righteous, and that he does take sin seriously, that he is not passive. He always deals with the elephant in the room. You can also ask the second question, what does this teach me about humanity? What does this teach me about people? One of the things you'll see as you read the story of Israel is that they keep getting it wrong. (laughs) Like they keep complaining, they keep rebelling, they keep sinning. And you might read that and go, I can very much relate to Israel. And if that's true, then I just want you to know that God's character hasn't changed. Like he is kind to them. He is patient to them. He is redeeming them. And so when we read the Old Testament, we can always ask two questions. What does this teach me about God? And what does this teach me about man? And the story of the Old Testament follows the family of Abraham. And this leads us all the way up to the New Testament. Yeah. So here um, we reach the New Testament. And this is where Jesus enters the story. And we're going to explain a little bit about the storyline later. But what's significant about this is when Jesus comes, we have been reading up to this point. Like if you were just to solely read the Old Testament, you hear so much language about this Messiah to come. We hear and understand, and um, it's described to us what he would look like and things that he would do. And now he enters the story. And it's so crazy because he says, um, and you can find this in Matthew 5, he says, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets, all the people, like thinking about all the people that they have just heard. He says, I have come not to abolish them, but to fulfill them. And the the loftiness of this statement, um, when he comes in, it's like all these things that you've been preparing for for so long, I am finally here. And so Jesus comes to fulfill the law. And now he says, I will give you a new law. And he says that in Matthew 22. And so what we see in the New Testament is we're going to see different narratives and different epistles. And we'll explain that in a moment. Um, But we're going to see a lot of fulfillment from what we just read in the Old Testament, which is this beautiful thing. Like I I love the way Matthew even writes his gospel, where he's pulling back pieces from the Old Testament and connecting the dots. Um, Like, wow, this is where this connected at this moment. And now we see him fulfill this prophecy. And um, I love having that kind of like tie-in, like that conclusion put together. And so we're going to see that. And then we also get books like Revelation, at the very end. And so we get the end to a very unified story from the beginning. So in Genesis, we have this image of even a garden. And what Revelation presents to us is a garden city. And so you're going to see that throughout. And then we're also going to receive um, instructions for people following Jesus now. And so big questions that you could ask yourself as you're reading the New Testament is, what does this tell me for where I'm at now? And where are we going? Because although Jesus enters the story, the story doesn't end there. (laughs) And so what Revelation does, it gives us the hope of what is to come and like what we are waiting for. And so the big thing in the New Testament is Jesus fulfilling the law. And then we begin to see what does it now mean um, that Jesus has entered the story and what does it mean for us? And so all this plays a part of the big biblical timeline that, um, Nate, do you want to share a little bit about that going into that real quick? Yeah. So a lot of us know the beginning of the story, right? Like Genesis, that's creation story. And a lot of us are kind of familiar with the New Testament, right? Like Jesus shows up, the gospels happen, the book of Acts happen, and then we get the epistles. But things start to get really foggy for some of us when we end the book of Exodus with Moses and we start going into the judges and we start getting into the kings. Uh, We know King David, we maybe know Solomon, but then things just get weird and we're not sure what's happening. 
And so what we want to say is there's a lot of timelines that you can find on the, on the internet. Um, but what we want to do is actually recommend one in particular because you can get overwhelmed with, you know, you're analyzing everything and then all of a sudden you don't choose anything. And so what we want to actually recommend is there's these videos on YouTube uh, known as the Bible Project. And so maybe you're reading, let's say, the book of Nehemiah, right? Like this is an incredible book, but you're like, where in the world am I in the story? Which is a question you should ask before reading any book. Well, if you don't know, then you can actually just type in YouTube, type in the Bible Project Nehemiah, and you're going to find like a seven to probably 10 minute video. It's animated. It's so well done. It's so simple. And you're just going to have really good context before you start reading the book. Even today, before I really read any book, I'm always going, where am I at in the story? And even though I've spent like years in higher education learning about scripture, there is this resource is so helpful. It's helpful for a brand new believer. It's helpful for a seminary student. Like this is an incredible, incredible resource. So always ask before starting any book, where am I at in the story? And if you're not sure, or if it's a little foggy, then just go to YouTube, type in the Bible project, and then type in the book that you're looking for. But what we want to do now is we actually want to transition to talking about different genres that are found in the Bible. So we already said that the Bible is a, a, a large collection of books that have all been gathered together. And you can't read every single book the same way because you have different genres. And so I'm going to talk about four, and then Scarlett's going to talk about three other ones. So the first genre that we want to talk about is the law. And the law is how God intends the ancient nation of Israel to act in a couple of different ways, but religiously, politically, and socially. This is oftentimes used, you'll hear the word Torah, which are the first five books of the Old Testament. The best way to describe this is just instructions. Like God has created, this is the book of Genesis, particularly chapters one and two. And then the rest of it is, okay, now that I've created this, how are we supposed to live in this world? How are we supposed to interact with God? How are we supposed to interact with our neighbors? That is what the law, that is what the Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament are all about. But then you might get really confused because all of a sudden you get to the genre of poetry, which are books of rhythmic prose, parallelism, and metaphor. And so you're going to see a lot of this, particularly in the Psalms. You're going to read Psalms and you're going to be like, wait, what? Am I supposed to take this literally? Like at one point, David is like, take my enemies, like children, and, and harm them. And you're like, what? Like, I don't want that. And what you need to know is that is not instructions. You are not instructed to go find your enemies take their kids and harm them at all. This is poetry. This is just him saying, I am hurting. My enemies are attacking me. And I, I just want relief. Like God, like do something like that is poetry. Another uh, category you're going to see with genres is wisdom literature, right? So these are not universal truths as in they're always true, no matter what the situation is. They're general truths. And so you're going to see, like, in the book of Proverbs, you'll see statements like, um, those who raise their children in the way of the Lord, like, they won't depart from it. And you're thinking, like, you hear that verse, you hear that, and you're thinking, that's a good proverb. And so all of a sudden, you raise your kids in the ways of the Lord, and then maybe one of them walks away. And you're thinking, what? Like, but I thought, well, that's the thing about wisdom. It's not always in every single setting going to be true, but it is generally true. And so you can bank your life on, like, this is a good way to live. Um, Ray Ortland actually has a fantastic quote where he says, the world teaches you to live and learn, right? So maybe you're going to make some mistakes. You're going to get 
some things right and then just learn from it and try again. But he says that, that wisdom literature, Proverbs in particular, is not saying live and learn. It's actually saying learn and live. Like you don't have to make those, those mistakes. Like you don't have to get it wrong time and time again so that you can learn how to get it right. Like you can actually read God's word. You can get wisdom inside of you knowing this is how God created the world and this is the best way to live in it. So that's what wisdom literature is. And then finally, uh, a genre that I want to mention is history. So these are the stories and the epics that describe what happened in the past, but also instruct us for the future. And so you're going to see First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles. These are books that are just telling us the story of Israel. And so you're reading them. And just by reading them, you shouldn't go, okay, I should always imitate them. Like that would be a bad way to live. You should instead be asking like, okay, what did they do in this situation and how did God respond? And so we're learning about the history of Israel. We're learning about how God responded in history. And there's a few more genres that Scarlett's going to talk about. Yeah. And even as we're talking about some of these genres, what you may see as you are reading one piece of the story is an overlap. So for example, I mentioned narratives. So narratives, you may see pieces of history in the narrative, (laughs) but ultimately what the narrative is communicating is a, a story. And so for example, like each one of the gospels is a type of narrative, but we also see narratives in the Old Testament. We see that with Ruth, we see that with Esther. And so we see as the story goes and what the narrator is trying to communicate to us is something that may not actually be found in one verse, but it may be an accumulation of passages put together. And so with narratives, you're just trying to find the overarching theme that's that's threaded through. But even in, say, the Gospel of Matthew, we see Matthew quote the Psalms or he quotes a prophecy. And so we see him even tie in some of the other books and genres of what we're talking about. So that's what narratives are. Um, they're, they're like act as stories. Um, And epistles uh, are basically letters. And we see the epistles as letters to the church in the New Testament. That's where you see 1 Peter and 2 Peter. You see um, the letters to Timothy. And so throughout those, you see more church instruction. So these are things that you can take literally because it's instruction on how to do life God's way and how to do life with God's people. And we see that in Paul's instruction to Timothy and, um, or in, I mean, different letters to other people as well. And so like, I think of even the, the verses, preach the word, be prepared in an honest season. Like how can we like guard ourselves? Those are things that we can actually take literally on how to live our lives presently. And lastly, um, the last genre we want to mention is prophecy or the apocalyptic literature, which I'm really excited that I said that right because I butcher that word all the time. But what prophecy is, is just predictions of future events or it's warnings of coming judgment. So we see a lot of um, prophetic literature in the Old Testament. That, I mean, can range from Isaiah through Malachi, um, but the uh, apocalyptic literature we could see in the book of like Revelation. So this is like a very specific form of prophecy um, that uses a lot of imagery or it's predicting disaster or destruction or like a revel. I mean, literally a revelation like to come. Um, and these can be the trickiest in interpreting. But um, what like we would say like in, in recommending like even say if you're reading um, an Old Testament passage and I believe Nate has even brought it up before like there's some things it's like okay what is meant for the people at that time like what's going on in the culture at that time um, and then 
applying that to that culture and say, okay, are there things that the Lord is still speaking to us today or what's to come? And so we can still find truths in it that are applicable to our lives um, that may be different to what that culture is experiencing. So uh, prophecy is definitely one of the trickier ones, but it's totally possible. And so those are a couple or a couple of few of the genres that we have found that are helpful in understanding that we, like Nate said, we can't read poetry. Uh, literally sometimes um, and we hope not even as we're interpreting but that's going to shape so much as you are interpreting scripture and looking at different books and so you found your place in the story now you're finding what book that you're in and how can you interpret it from there and so that's a big part in the interpretation process is just understanding what the genre is and so a final thought for me and you'll get a final thought from scarlet so in john chapter 5 verse 39 Jesus is criticizing the people who spend their lives studying the scriptures. And he gives them this criticism. He says, you search the scriptures because you think that they give you eternal life. But the scriptures are pointing to me. And so what we learn from this is that as we're reading the scriptures, they're always doing two things. They're always preparing us for Jesus, and they're always pointing us to Jesus. And so even Genesis chapter one, verse one, right? Like in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Well, if you read John chapter one, verse one, you see in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And then in verse 14, you'll see, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, telling us it's Jesus. So even from the very first sentence, from the very first book of the Bible, we're seeing that Jesus was there that he was involved in the creation story, in the creation narrative, which that means that all of the Old Testament is preparing us for and pointing us to Jesus. And so anytime we open the Bible, we shouldn't just be asking like, how can I live, right? Or like, that's a good question. And we shouldn't just be asking like, what does this mean historically? Like all of these fantastic questions, they help us understand genres, they help us understand the text, they help us get the point. But the question that should always be asked is how is this preparing me for Jesus and how is this pointing me towards Jesus because we believe that all of scripture is about him now as I say that you might be thinking that sounds like a hard challenge right like there are some stories that you're thinking I have no idea how this prepares me for or points me to Jesus we want to say like you'll spend the rest of your life learning about this and that is okay Mm -hmm. but knowing that that's the point knowing that the scriptures are about Jesus It'll always keep you on track. And let me just say, like, trust the Holy Spirit. Like, if you're reading scripture and you're thinking, I don't have any idea what this has to do with Jesus, pray. Pray and say, Lord, I know that this is supposed to prepare me for and point me to Jesus, but I have no idea what I just read. Would you help me see him? Because that's the Holy Spirit's job is to reveal Jesus to you. And so Mm. as you read scripture, we want you to fall in love with Jesus because we believe that's the point of it. <laughs> that was so good. It's hard to follow up after that. Um, and I mean, that's so true. And I mean, even our prayer as we go about this is for you to fall more in love with God and his word and what he has said to us and communicated about himself. And one of the biggest questions I would say that like we have gotten like on this, um, this subject is uh, even as we teach this, 
after the lesson, a lot of people ask us, okay, what Bible studies do you use? Or like, what's your favorite, like go-to um, that are like commentaries or anything like that, which I think those are good things. Hear me out before I say what I'm going to say. Like, I think that they are helpful um, and definitely supplemental. Um, but the way that it's been like communicated to me, those things are just vitamins. And the word of God itself is the real food. And you can't live off of vitamins. So they are helpful, but they are not sustainable. And so being able to cultivate um, study habits that allow us to dive in the real word uh, itself and not just what someone's interpretation is. And so I just, uh, I'll use Beth Moore. Um, Like she has written so many Bible studies, but Beth Moore had to start somewhere. And so even thinking about where she started, um, it may not have been with a commentary, but it may have just been in the morning, um, just reading and just seeking and wanting to ask questions on her own and Sometimes it, it feels very daunting as you approach a passage and you're like, what does this mean? And definitely there is total, there is so many um, tools out there that we can use. Um, and some of those are, are found like in the book as well of how we can actually dive in like practically. Um, but one thing that I would just want to say is God is not the author of confusion. And First Corinthians reminds us of that. And so even as you're studying and you almost feel trapped, you're confused, you're not understanding this passage, I would just challenge you to dive deeper. And um, his word would not leave us that way. And so tem- there's, I mean, plenty of times, and Nate, you probably know this too, that you get to a passage and you're like, I do not understand what this is saying. And it has grown me so much more because I have spent more time studying it and just wanting to understand it um, and looking at it in the full context, in the full story, um, ultimately knowing that, okay, do- God does not want to confuse me with this and his word is not confusing. And so how can I understand it better? Um, and that there's some passages it's taken me more time and not sitting here um even having a bible degree knowing that i do not know everything and i won't and that's the most beautiful and freeing part of it is that god is eternal his word is internal and so that his word is going to be limitless and so i'm never going to know the fullness of it and the depths of it um but I get to spend my life seeking and understanding ultimately growing more in him because of it and in intimacy with him because of it So yeah, I am super excited for you to start this practice specifically and just seeing the way it will bring life to you. It has brought life to me and I'm sure it has brought a lot of life to Nate that he could testify for. But we are so excited for all of that. You are going to learn about the Lord through the study of scripture and studying his word. And so we pray that it would bring life for you. And we are so excited to hear back from you about this one, even specifically just growing and cultivating this practice that it would be life-changing for you. So we are super excited. Thanks for tuning in today and we can't wait to hear from you.